This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Welcome to The Cartographers, a podcast that charts our changing cultural landscape and provides hope for 21st century Christian leaders. We are Bryce Hales and Ashley Hales, a pastor and a PhD. Welcome to this conversation. This is Ashley Hales. Welcome back to The Cartographers. We have been talking over the last several months and last several episodes about what does it feel like and look like to be stuck in the middle. After all of these things, Bryce, where have you landed? What sort of takeaways do you have? What questions did you come to this series in? And what's providing you some hope as we move forward? I'm happy to report that I've got it all figured out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, I, I, no, I mean, joking um, there, but we're living in a time when we know that it's very easy for conversations about important issues to go from kind of zero to 60 uh, really quick. And there's no simple way around this. And um, I, I, I would say, as I reflect in, in through all these conversations we've had and uh, thinking about all we've discussed, really two takeaways from this series, two things that I think I've, I've learned. And the first is, um, I, and let me just <laughs> preface this by saying like, neither of these is going to be totally earth, earth shattering here. But I think the first thing we have to do is, is we have to recognize the humanity in the person that we're talking to. It's so easy to think, um, you know, if I'm thinking about a topic on my own to feel like I've got this thing perfectly, uh, how could anybody disagree? This is so clearly right. And then we sit down and we talk to somebody who disagrees. And if we cannot just treat them as a human being, as a starting point, we're going to have a very difficult time um, just making our way forward in life. I regularly feel like I'm going into meetings uh, in, in you know my job where I'm going to present, this is what I think we should do. And somebody says, well, what about this? Or have you thought about that? And it's like, no, I haven't thought about that. And that's really important and really necessary. And so we've got to recognize the humanity in people even more so when we're talking about things that we disagree over. And part of that is just staying connected. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I'm giving up my opinion. I'm laying down my perspective, um, but we can. And this is something I need to learn how to do much better is just maintaining a relationship with somebody um, without necessarily having to embrace all, all that they're saying in their, in their point of view. The second thing that I've, um, and this is probably a bigger deal. I would, I would, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, but it's just come out in this series is recognizing the importance of nuance. And uh, one of the things that I think just, is so frustrating to see so often as we talk about these culture war issues is, um, you know, one person representing one point of view, another person representing another point of view. And there, and these two views are pitched like it's either this or that. And so often I just want to scream like, 
Maybe it's a little bit of both here. And one of the things I think that we see all the time in culture war discussions is sort of the pitting of one truth over the other. And often what, what's happening here is somebody kind of says, like, I, I've placed my flag in on this truth. And then I'm going to hold to that no matter what. And biblically, so often wisdom is about knowing how to apply two truths. When when one tr- when it's not uh, when a truth is not being contested, then you, it's easy to just go with that, right? Okay. So the classic one that we've all experienced in the last couple of years is science or freedom. Let's say, right? <laughs> so, well, don't you believe in science? No, like nobody's going to say it's not a question of science versus myth. It's also not a question of freedom versus slavery. It's a question of how do we balance the relative importance of the science and the need for individual freedom. And so taking a nuanced perspective is so often important. I really appreciated um, our conversation with Harrison Scott Key and just talking about humor. And one of the things that he talked about is that humor is often naming sort of the truth that's in the room, that's in the air, that feels uncomfortable to name. But then when you say it out loud, everybody laughs because it's like, oh yeah, I see that too. And I think that's that's often what we're what we're having to do when we're talking about about nuance in these uh, situations is saying, yeah, like this is true, but the other side is true too, and we've got to have the ability to hold both of those in tension, which is not easy. And I think a lot of this is why the culture war stuff happens is because it's easier to just simplistically, you know, double down on one side or the other and then hold to it no matter what. And yet so often the call of, you know, walking the way of Jesus is holding on to the the nuance on both sides of these issues. So, yeah, I mean, how about you? What, uh, what are your takeaways? You know, I think um, what, what I've really got from hearing people's stories, um, Susanna's story about beauty um, as the pathway forward, or even Dan Darling talking about grace, um, or even just Pete Weiner as he's navigating, you know, the reality of, of you know having worked in the White House as a speechwriter and now writing, you know, as at the Atlantic is, you know, and similar to what you're saying about nuance, is that really ultimately. I think what we long to drive us as human beings is to be pulled into a more beautiful vision. And so, but that, that requires, you know, habits and practices and imaginative formation that often take a lifetime versus we are so easily kind of our attention is co-opted by the loudest um, thing in the room by you know, the algorithms, even just by like our Pavlovian response to like, you know, keep refreshing our email or social media feeds and always being fed the thing that is biggest and worst. And um, I just, I wonder to what extent we like remembering that we all long for beauty. We all long to be pulled into a more beautiful, wider, redemptive story um, than we're living. And yet we kind of chain ourselves kind of by our devices. Um, 
And and so I guess there's there's the psychology of that that is fascinating to me. That as you're saying humanizes maybe someone that we might disagree with who might be on the other side is to remember, you know, that story um, to them is helping dissipate their fear. And often I think we're more driven by fear than beauty, um, even if there is a, a larger a larger desire for beauty. That's something that feels a little bit more delicate maybe than, you know, the the adrenaline rush of fear. So I think that's one way I've been able to conceptualize both humanizing uh, folks that I might disagree with, as well as not opting out. You know, one of the things I kind of came to the conversation was like, I don't even care. Like, (laughs) I just don't even want to get into this. I don't have the emotional energy to kind of figure out a pathway through. And I think for me, this call back to building, to beauty, to imagination makes a lot of sense of how I'm wired um, and might be for me a way to think through how do I engage um, and not just disengage. So I would say that I feel like that gave me some hope. Um, how, how does um, how does like what we talked with Mark Laberton about the 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 paradigm of exile fit in there? Because I, I think that's an important mm-hmm. part of both understanding the story. Like if the story is. Like culture war, the word war is in there, which implies we should be winning. But if that's the story that we live in, like there is an urgency to war. There's a sense of like, I win at your expense or you win at my Mm -hmm. expense. If the narrative that Christians are called to live out in this world is one of exile, um, that, that, kind of just sets the whole conversation up in a different light, right? Changes our expectations of what the outcome might potentially look like. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. You know, I'm reminded of that passage in scripture. I never remember references, I'm sorry, but you know, that swords will be beaten into plowshares, right? You know, in the kingdom and that, that like our warring um, will turn to farming, <laughs> you know, to tending to, you know, noticing the limits of our place of earth, of our bodies, of seasons. Um, I think that a 
Yeah. And, and I'm also reminded of that too, because right in the end of Jeremiah, what is, what are the exiles to do, right? They are to, to marry, they're to have families, they're to plant gardens, they're actually to care and steward for a very small localized place and people. Like that's what it looks like um, to be faithful exiles. It's not to change the world. And so I wonder how much is gained from, okay, if we're going to figure out what it look, what does it look like to live as faithful exiles that are motivated by beauty instead of war, it's probably got to start local, you know, from the ground up, small rather than big, rather than top down. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of something I um, saw friends uh, say recently that um, our call as Christians is to bear witness to the kingdom of God, not to, and often the language that we use is to, like, we're bringing the kingdom of God. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says the kingdom of God is in your midst, and what we are called to do is to bear witness to it. And I think that is such a helpful paradigm shift because, right, like some of us have greater influence, some of us have lesser influence, but we're all called to just bear witness and be faithful to the kingdom and the place that God has called us uh, to be. And it doesn't provide the adrenaline rush or the sense of rightness or like self-righteousness that maybe like a culture war mentality does. Um, It's vulnerable. And I think that there's a cost to it that we have to realize that if we're thinking about instead of taking one of these kind of more warlike positions where I'm going to own the conservatives or own the libs, what, you know, or I've got the right view on XYZ political issue of the moment and I'm going to tell everyone where they're wrong, that a more gospel centered, exilic, beauty oriented framework that's pointing to the kingdom of God as a witness is going to be a lot more vulnerable, right? It's a, it's a lot more. Um, ordinary and less attention grabbing. Yeah. Well, and it also requires us to like the intentionality to step back and sort of say, when we see the culture war, uh, you know, when we see the both side kind of thing starting to raise its head of just stepping back and saying, okay, maybe, maybe um, part of what the culture wars do is in this moment of anxiety cause us to say like, you got to pick a side and, the exilic paradigm is we've got to take a step back and realize that sometimes just getting drawn into the conversation means we've already lost. Um, and there's got to be a, a less anxious way to respond yeah, to the issue at hand. Part of what I'm, I'm thinking about, and you just mentioned the word anxiety, is I'd love for you to just talk a little bit. I know we've talked a bit about anxious systems and differentiation? What does that look like in leadership? Um, how does that maybe fit into some of these conversations about cultural war, do you think, Bryce? Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about this last night, I think, but um, the whole concept of of anxiety and the, the anxious w- world that we live in right now, I think is really crucial for us to understand. And the, the metaphor that I, I was um, reading about and kind of expanding on is is the idea that um, anxiety, you know, we can think about like, um, we can think about as an analogy, a reservoir. And so, you know, your, your reservoir could be the size of a coffee cup or your reservoir could be the size of a swimming pool. And a, a larger reservoir is going to have more capacity for ex- absorbing the anxiety 
that's being thrown at you in in the world, right? Um, but the other issue is not just the size of the reservoir, but the water level of the reservoir. And so um, there's always going to be a tip, a spilling point where the anxiety spills over, right? If the reservoir is full, it doesn't matter if it's a swimming pool or if a coffee cup. But you can go if your reservoir is the size of a of a coffee cup. You know, you add a couple ounces of water, and it's and it's spilling over already. Whereas a um, a swimming pool sized reservoir is going to have a lot more capacity for absorbing anxiety. Now we live in a world where media, and again, like I'm not all technology is not bad. Social media isn't always evil or anything, but but me, our media culture is primed to sort of keeping that level of anxiety topped up at every moment. So, um, and that's what feeds into the culture war mentality. And you've like, you've got to take a position on this right now because the world is watching and your silence is deafening. Um, now, so we probably cannot really affect the, um, the water level of the anxiety in the, in the, in the anxious co- culture that we live in. What we can start to think about is how do I begin to grow the size of my own personal reservoir? And that's where um, coming back to spiritual disciplines, uh, the importance of um, the Sabbath, right? The importance of rooting ourselves in the sacramental and liturgical life of our local congregations is so crucial, um, but we have to even do that, do, be intentional and thoughtful about the way we pursue those activities, because if we don't pause and think and reflect, then it can in, in initially feel like going to church or going to small group or something like that. It's just one more thing on the anxious to-do list, and they're not... <laughs> They're really not. They're designed um, by God to, um, you know, the, the Sabbath comes as a gift to God's people after 400 years of slavery. And God says, you're going to have a holiday every day of the week. It's God building, you know, rest into our rhythms. It's uh, helping us expand the size of our reservoirs. Yeah. No, it's a really helpful image um, and a practical way to think about, you know, what is our attitude towards the culture wars? Um, you know, it's a way to figure out how do we navigate that particularly is thinking through some of those spiritual disciplines and practices that do help root us and help root us back into that more beautiful story as well of the gospel. Um yeah, you know, I think it's been such an encouragement to speak to so many folks um, during this series who have vast um, credentials and a wide variety of experiences to be reminded that, you know, not everybody is wanting to engage in the culture wars. I think sometimes when we show up online or, you know, you're reading the notes from a local city council meeting and everyone's shouting about XYZ issue, it can definitely feel like the world is bifurcated. And to just speak with folks who have experienced some of this and yet chosen a different way to live was tremendously encouraging for me. Um, And it was pretty great also to hear that our guests really liked our questions. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's always nice. So thanks so much for joining us for this Stuck in the Middle series. We've got a whole new series um, happening real soon where we're talking about the state of the church. What can we look forward to? Bryce? Yeah, we are going to talk to Michael Graham about his uh, new book and the research he's done on the the great de-churching. Um, Michael, one of the things Michael has in his research uncovered, I think about this statistic, um, that more more Christians have left the church in America in the last 25 years than became Christians in the first, second Great Awakenings plus the Billy Graham Crusades. Um, so, you know, what are we doing as a church? Are we are we, we aware of that reality? If, if we were to think about it like this, like there's a tidal wave coming and it's going to hit in the next 15 years. What would we do to prepare now? Um, and we're also going to have some really practical conversations, too, about friendship and loneliness. So we definitely want you to tune in and listen in. It's both going to be high level thought and a ton of on-the-ground practical ways forward. So please join us at the Cartographers. Would you mind just taking a second? Go ahead and rate and review the Cartographers. This helps other people find the show. It helps us get the word out that there are other people like you who are Christian, a Christian leader who is trying to navigate these cultural waters that feel messy and murky in the 21st century. So please rate and review and share one of these episodes with a friend. It might be a great way to gather together and have a thoughtful conversation, even with people who differ on many issues. So thank you for joining us at The Cartographers. Rate, review, and share. We're so glad you're here. The Cartographers is hosted by Bryce Hales and Ashley Hales. It's edited by Nathan Michelle. The Cartographers is a production of the Willowbray Institute. Find out more at willowbray.org.